0: Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozloff. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Am I on? Okay. Wait for it. Good morning, church. Thank you. Thank you. I love our traditions very irreligious. All right, we continue our series that we called The Gospel of God, and it's based on the book of Romans. And we said, like many uh, scholars, that it's probably the most complete presentation of what Apostle Paul believed to be the gospel of God. Good news from God to us, expressing Manifesting, making known fully God's heart for us. Uh, I would start with a little disclaimer. I made a big mistake. Last time, Neil covered the content of chapter 6, and he split this chapter in two messages. And I, for some reason, either was I I dumb or bold or both. And I said, I'm going to do chapter 7 in one message. And as I started preparing, it's big, thick, dense convoluted sometimes chapter, but I'm going to try to get it done today with you guys. So as a result of my mistake, you are going to suffer today. You're going to stay, you might stay here like a few minutes longer, but I encourage you to stay because this is so important that we would see clearly what Paul is trying to communicate to us. This is vital that we see. So before I get to the content of this chapter, I'll just briefly remind you that we started. Paul declares, I'm an, I'm a gospel boy. You, I mean, I'm an apostle, but I'm all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know you guys are believer, but I'm ready to preach the gospel to you. And basically, Paul, whatever he does, he preaches the gospel. And then he begins to unfold the good news from God. And we saw that Paul presents the gospel in its complete form and shape. And it has two major parts. One is kind of a forensic or judicial as scholars call it justification basically it 's a legal side of salvation. Your guilt that was very real was erased by the blood of Christ. You are declared like you like a judge would declare you in the courtroom not guilty. Gable goes down you 're not guilty because what Christ has done his blood, his cross removed the uh, guilty condemnation, and we see that. Paul uses from chapter 1 through chapter 5, he uses this judicial forensic language. He's talking about condemnation, justification, reconciliation, all these terms that talks about the judicial side of salvation, something that has been done outside of us, something that has been done positionally to us before God. But then in chapter 5, at the end of it, he transitioned to the next big part of the gospel of God. We called it organic part of salvation. Now he's talking about what's happening as a result of that dispositionally in you. How the Spirit of God comes and what work he does. And he changes his language. He doesn't use those words, those forensic words anymore. He begins to talk about the union with Christ. He starts talking about new life. He starts talking about walking in newness of life. He claims that the ultimate goal of this process is organic process this process is organic and the ultimate goal he he calls it bearing fruit to god sounds very organic if you listen to that right it's not about what mighty exploits that you do for god it's not about wonderful things that you roll up your sleeves and do it's abiding in the vine it's letting the sap of life flow through you and wash away anything that doesn't belong to you as a new creation in christ and it begins to bring forth fruit that is basically God becoming manifest through your character through your life this make sense all right so and in chapter 6 Paul I'm going to read this verse chapter 6 he declares that the purpose oh in chapter 6 Paul declares that we've been made free from sin and he compares sin to slave master I'm so glad slavery is abolished it still exists in many parts of the world but it's horrible you don't own your body you don't own your time you don't get to decide what you're going to do somebody else forces you into actions that you might not enjoy at all that's slavery and Paul said the death of Christ set you free from the slavery of sin Romans six twenty two. he says but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's end eternal life you see the process you see the organic side of salvation it's about the fruit and you've been set free from sin so that you be part of this wonderful process i'm gonna uh, sorry guys because i'm gonna work on this chapter with you today i'm gonna stay a lot with my ipad because i have a lot of scriptures for you today it's not typical of me i try to minimize the number of scripture i use but today we're gonna look at a lot of scriptures but because i want you to leave this place mad with your sacred cow that you protected or happy covered with blood of that sacred cow that we're going to slaughter for you okay some of you didn't get what i'm saying that don't worry you will get it by the end of it all right so i'm talking about slaughtering sacred cows that take too much room in your life okay 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 dennis calm down it's not yet so, so how do you get into this organic way, uh, organic process of salvation? Paul calls it being in union with Christ. And it's an interesting word. It's actually, I read several very scholarly dudes that know their Greek better than their English. And they all say, Paul uses very unusual phrase when he says about you us being unified, us being identified with Christ, us being made one with Christ. He uses the word grafted. It's not, it doesn't, it's not rendered. In most of english translation but he says when if you were baptized into christ you were baptized into his death you were grafted into him you hear organic language again no more forensic it's organic okay so <clears throat> it's all of god's grace guys we know that we establish that all the time but we and it's so wonderful we get to play a role in this process it's not it's not just happening to us automatically we just like all of a sudden sanctification happened to me no it's a process that we, we cooperate with God. We, how do we participate? How do we cooperate? And Neil said it, and I'll say it, and Neil will say it, and I'll say it again. Paul said, you need to know certain things about the gospel. It's not enough, but it's necessary. You can't live the life of the gospel if you don't know certain things. That's why you come here. That's why we speak to you. But then it's not enough. You need to see certain things see them clearly remember we use that uh, illustration how they printed those funny books in 90s that it's a gobbledygook kind of picture but if you look long enough your eyes would refocus and all of a sudden you see a beautiful boat or a lighthouse or something like that that's what you need to do with your bible i don't want you just read it and check oh i'm a christian i read my bible have you seen it or you see still a bunch of gobbledygook stuff you got to see that. And then he said, you need to reckon yourself. That's an interesting word, reckon yourself. All uh, translations of the Bible say, you need to reckon yourself in accordance, in the light of what you have seen. And then you need to present yourself, present your body, your time, your body, your, your these members to this wonderful, beautiful process of sanctification. You got it? So Paul insists on this way of progress of Christian life. That's what we need to uh, apply to ourselves. So I'll ask you a question. What is it that Paul wants us to see in the book of Romans? And he wants us to see a lot of things. He keeps saying that, don't you know? Aren't you know? Aren't you ignorant? You were supposed to know that. And here's the thing that he wants us to see about the death of Christ. What he has done for us specifically by his death. That's a very unique contribution of Paul into christian faith what is the symbol of christian faith today cross do you know if the cross is the symbol but do you know if you would try to take all the epistles of paul from the bible the cross would have never become the symbol of christian walk because only paul speaks unique things about the death of christ and we need to know them before we would see them before we can reckon them before we can present ourselves to this truth all right so Paul wants us to see very specific things about the death of Christ. His revelation of the gospel of God was unique. I already said that. So, only Paul declares that the death of Christ was our death. Let it sink in. Only Paul declares that the death of Christ was your death I was in Jerusalem many years ago and I was at the graveside and I was at my graveside I was at your graveside you need to see it you need to know it first you need to see it and then you need to reckon yourself and that's how a life of victory comes into your life victory over sin victory over depression victory over anxiety over timidity over addiction anything is found in the cross of Jesus through the death of Christ that's one thing Paul wants us to see and I want to read some of the scriptures to remind you chapter 6 verses 1 through 3 he says we have died to sin let's read it what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may bound by no means that's very emphatic He yells at me. He yells just like I do. He doesn't yell at me. He yells with me. I yell with him. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Have you seen that you died to sin? Do you not know? Again, here it comes. Do you not know? You are supposed to know it. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Have you been baptized? You've been baptized into the very death of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Right in the middle of it. So first thing he wants us to see that as a result of our union with death of Christ, freedom from the dominion of sin comes. And Neil talked about it last Sunday. But now in chapter 6 at the end of it and most of chapter 7, and that's important now, follow me he introduced one more thing that the death of christ has set us from had us set us free from i'm sorry uh one more negative thing and it was the most unexpected declaration for many believers in paul's time they kind of were okay with many things paul said but as soon as he began to speak about that like religious antennas were up They thought, oh, that begins to smell like a heresy. Paul, 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 stop it, Paul. And Paul would not stop it. And that was the biggest stumbling block for most of the early believers. Because most of the early believers, they were coming from the Jewish tradition. And they were raised and trained to uphold the law is the most precious thing. And Paul begins to speak here. And remember the book, uh, remember the congregation in Romans. It was one congregation composed of two distinct groups. Believers from Gentiles, believers from Jewish people. And there was some tension between them. And Paul, even in this situation, he doesn't budge. He stands his ground. And he says that one more thing that we've been put to death on the cross of Christ is the law what yes so i want you to look at some of the scriptures today and to become either mad at me and leave or to become as crystal as as like as daylight and live in more freedom to have more room in your life to receive more of god's life to be more in this organic process in this wonderful freedom that we've been singing today about all right so let's look at it he begins to introduce this topic in chapter six, verses fourteen through fifteen. Uh, it's, he briefly mentions that, but that's how he begins. But then he fully develops in chapter seven. Let's read chapter six, verses fourteen through fifteen. For sin will have no dominion over you. Remember, since you are not under under law, but under grace what then are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace by no means but he said this phrase twice we're not under law we are under grace and he begins to unpack it and develop it in chapter 7 and i want you to see that he unpacks and develops this theme throughout all of his epistles i don't have time to go through all of the epistles of paul but in every single epistle of paul there is a theme where he stands his ground firm and he doesn't allow any compromise and he's very dogmatic he is adamant, he is emphatic, he is sometimes angry. I can see him red-faced with a vein popping up on his forehead. They said he was bold. I don't know. <clears throat> so that was a shocking declaration and a stumbling block. I already told that. So and Paul received the revelation about the nature of the law and his function in people's in people's life and he was very strong about it. And it was very personal for him because when you read his description of the problem that begins in believer's life, when he begins to allow the law to creep into his life again, you see that it was personal. He knew what he was talking about. And I believe many of you know what I'm talking about because a lot of you have experienced this turmoil, this torture that comes into your soul when you're not clear, when you don't know, when you don't see. I want you to know. I want you to see this this difference. This was not, not a great area for Paul. It was very strong contrast. The law and the grace. It, it, he wouldn't allow any murky waters there. He wouldn't say, yeah, lots of grace and a little bit of law. No. It's either or. It's all or nothing. You, you can get a plus or B-plus in keeping the law, you get 100 points or zero points. Guess how many points we get. Exactly. So let's look at some of the places. The the, the most, the strongest passage that Paul, that we can see Paul uh, giving his arguments for this point is is the book of Galatians. That's what I told you when I can imagine him like red-faced and the popping like uh, vein on his. He was mad. He wasn't mad at those guys, those believers. He was mad at the other believers that brought the law to those guys. Let's read it. Galatians 1.6. I'm going to read a bunch of stuff from Galatians. We'll use Galatians as a commentary to what Paul says in, in Romans 7. So let's read Galatians 1.6 beginning from, one, uh, from verse 6. He says, I'm astonished that you so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of christ and you're turning to a different gospel not that there is another one but that but there are some people who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of christ but even we but if even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you the gospel contrary to the one we preach to you let him be accursed what is he talking about? I heard so many preachers using this passage to manipulate you into guilt trips. They're fools. I'm sorry. They, they need to read the whole. He is actually calling another gospel an attempt to bring some of the law back to believers. And another gospel means not a true gospel. A counterfeit gospel. False gospel. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you have received from us, let him be cursed. Galatians 2.16. Yet we know that a person... That's the same letter. He's still trying to calm down. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. He's talking about the law again. But through faith in Jesus Christ, so that... So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law no one will be justified no one will ever be justified so the law is no good for even for judicial side of salvation no justification can be attained through the law okay okay Paul calm down calm down we're good evangelicals here we understand that sola fide by faith only we know that paul we 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 studied in our seminaries but don't you would you agree paul that yes justification is not possible by the works of law but how about christian living law is pretty good for christian living because it's kind of a moral compass that's a bull crap i'm sorry guys no Paul said no wrong that's wrong and I'm going to show it to you I would say and today I mean I can't tell you how many preachers and why do I need to tell you about other preachers I am this preacher I my first (laughs) my first series of messages that I've ever done as a series was on the importance of 10 commandments for a Christian life I didn't see that. And I was tormented. I was, and I thought it's a normal Christian life. And this torment is described in chapter 7. We'll get to that. And some of you are still tormented as Christians. That you're not supposed to be. That's not God's idea. Some people take chapter 7 as God's description of a normal Christian life. you got to repent, dude. Because you don't know and you don't see and you don't reckon yourself. Repent. It's not a normal Christian life. That happens to a lot of Christians. It's not what God desires for you and me to have. Chapter 7 is not. So, okay. And here it goes. He continues in chapter, I don't know why, I I chose so many scriptures. I believe you guys, well, anyway. Galatians 2, 19, he continues. He says, for through the law, I died to the law. Again, the same idea. So that I might live to God. You want to live to God? You got to die to the law. You want to experience life interacting with the living presence of God in your life, flowing in you and through you? You got to say goodbye forever to the law. You got to say, I'm dead to the law through the death of Christ. If you allow a little bit of the law in your life, and I'm not talking only about specific commandments from the Bible. I'm talking about anything, any exhortation, Any instruction from the Bible that you turn into a condition of your successful walk with God. Reading the Bible. I read the Bible every day for at least an hour. And that's my law. That's why I understand. Praying for an hour, or praying in tongues for three hours, or fasting, or doing this, or preaching the gospel, or helping in the church, or here's a big sacred cow that needs to be slaughtered, tithe. Scary word, 10% of my income to the church. It's going to kill my finances if I don't do it. I'm not going to use these words. They're not allowed in the church. (laughs) I've been manipulated in that. I was so afraid. I had a special pocket in my Bible. Every time I would get some cash back then, we didn't have cards. I would just make sure 10% goes in there. That's a special pocket for God. And sometimes I was so destitute, I had to borrow some money from God's bank. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry, but I don't have money to travel home from church. Can I borrow some money from your tithe? What's the w- i'm not gonna go there it's a whole separate story hey by the way we here we have membership and we encourage our members to tithe i tithe but i would never preach to you tithe as a law never ever 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 if you hear me preach tithe as a law that determines what's going to happen to you well don't please don't slap me morally slap me somehow i don't like slapping but come to me and say hey hypocrite you told me no law Okay. All right. So, gosh, how did I get there? (laughs) Listen. For through the law, I'm going to continue reading the scripture. For through the law, I died to the law that I might live to God. I died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ again. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If you flirt with the law in any form or shape, you're actually nullifying the operation of grace in your life and you're making the death of Christ of no avail of no purpose you deprive the death of Christ of its profound significance it's very strong he doesn't stop there dude if you think I'm strong with you oh dude I'm so glad that that Paul is not preaching today ah uh, listen galatians 3, 1 oh foolish Galatians oh fellow oh, I, I, I don't want to break the microphone <laughs> fools fellow beloved fools of God who has bewitched you the law is bewitchment it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified let me ask you only what this did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith That's a fundamental question to ask yourself. I've been raised in the charismatic and Pentecostal circles. I love these guys dearly. But it goes without saying in their circles that miracles happen because you fasted and prayed enough. Not because Jesus was put to death and resurrected from the. I mean, yes, they will acknowledge it's all because of Jesus. But it's Jesus plus my fast and prayers. And Paul is asking this question miracles happen spirit moves is it because what you have done or is it because you have seen christ crucified on the cross in my preaching and received it by faith you knew you saw you reckoned, you experienced that's a normal way of christian progress okay God. are you getting anything good i'm so glad i'm so glad. you have the right to be mad at me at the end of it just stay with me here okay Okay, foolish Galatians, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, you're now being perfected by the flesh. That's the law. You start right. You start with the reality of God's Spirit moving, and then somehow you just become a religious dude that has no power, no presence, no reality. You talk about God as a sweet memory that happened to you five years ago, or ten years ago, or fifty years ago. Revival, it wasn't revival. I went revival. Believe. Even the gospel. Here's a revival for you right now. The Spirit of God moves right now as you begin to see Christ on the cross and resurrected, and you're unified with Him. That's your revival. I can be revived every day. His mercy is new every day. Look at the cross, look at the resurrection, look at you in there. Revival. You can't organize revival. You can see revival. You can reckon the revival. You can walk in revival. And that wasn't in my notes. <clears throat> so he continues, 3, 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do so by works of the law by hearing of faith? Galatians 5, 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, and that was the deal because, you know, those People from Judea came to Galatians, believers from, from Gentiles, and they say, you guys got to start implementing some of the law. Big thing, important thing, circumcision. That's what make you people of the covenant. You're fake people of the covenant. We are real ones. How? Look at our genitalia. That's the sign. You got to have a sign. That's the law. No, he said, here's, so the circumcision here stands for, for following the law. So he says, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Do you hear that? I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, which is the law, that he is obliged to keep the whole law. The whole thing. The whole law. If you want some of the law, you can't. The whole law. you're severed from Christ if you want the law you who would be justified by the law you have fallen away from grace that's scary and you know what cuts you off grace of God not your sin grace actually helps you with your sin the law mentality the law mindset the transactional mindset you and God doing some trades and you know, people had a hard time receiving what Paul had to teach about the law back then. People had the hard time through the history of the church receiving that. And they really tried to find good ways to reconcile the law with grace. And when Paul's words became part of the scripture, it became real hard. But they were still tried. Here's the classic one. You would hear that a lot. And that's another they would say, Oh, oh no, 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 brother. Yeah, we 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 the ritualistic laws and commandments are all obsolete now, but the moral ones are good. The moral ones are good. If you read it carefully, Paul does not give you any right to pick and choose. If you want to say thy shall not kill, you want to say, thy shall not eat shrimp. You should do the whole thing. You, you there's no in the nature of the law there is no ground for such cherry picking approach that a lot of christians do you have to be dead to the law to the whole thing so paul is very strong so why was paul so dogmatic why was he so adamant why would he not budge and we should be the same way i believe well because the light of the gospel was revealed to him and this in this light he saw the true role and the true purpose, and the function of the law. That is why he is so strong, and he speaks about it as nobody else does. Let's look at some of his strong sayings. I'm not going to go extensively through all of the scriptures, and guys, I will entertain you some, don't worry, so stay with me. Popcorn is not promised, but So he speaks of the law. I'll just quickly rush through some of the things that he speaks of the law. And he is the only one who speaks of the law this way. Nobody else in the Bible does. Only Paul does. That's why it was so difficult for people to receive this revelation about what is the function and the uh, role of the law. So the first one, he speaks of the law as something transient, provisional, and temporal. That was a new thought to many Jews. Many believers from Jewish background, he speaks about it in, in the book of Hebrews, he speaks about it in Second Corinthians. Do you know that they actually Paul's canter, contribution that today, if you buy a hard copy paper Bible, you would have one half what is it called, Old Testament or an old covenant, and another half, what is it, New Testament? And there's usually a page in between, and that page says, What New Testament? This page is misleading new testament has not began with the birth of jesus new covenant began when jesus died on the cross at just a side note but you need it's important side note anything that happened before he died on the cross it's still under the jurisdiction of the old covenant every single thing he puts actually the law on steroids and makes it he wants people to see how impossible it is to live the life God desires for you. You need to die and be born again to get into. And how to get that through the cross of Christ. And that's where the New Testament begins. So I don't know how you feel, but you may as well tear this page off your Bible. Or just remember, maybe misleading. Write it down or something. So Paul is the only one who speaks of the law in this way, transient, temporal, provisional. Paul is the only one who speaks of the law as God's way to prove something to us, to show something, to demonstrate something to us, namely to demonstrate to us and make it absolutely clear what is our true state, namely that we're sinners by nature, inherited in Adam. We do not call ourselves sinners because we sin, we actually sin because we are sinners. And we need to see that before we can receive grace, abundance of grace. Romans 3.19 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who remember under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. New King James translation is that every person in the world will become guilty before God. What do you mean become guilty god wants me to become guilty not you are guilty you just need to see it so that you would be able to receive salvation make sense all right the ultimate purpose of the gospel is what the most intimate knowledge of god that leads to genuine fruit bearing what is the knowledge specific knowledge that comes as a result of your interaction with the law when you're under the law Paul says it clearly, Romans 3.20, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight in God's sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. That's the main function of the law. You want to know God or you want to know sin? These are two options that you can't combine in your life. You can become a sin expert or you can become a God lover that bears fruit. I don't know about you, I made my choice. Romans 5 20, now the law came in, listen to this, only Paul could say that, and that's why people's ears were hurt when they heard that, especially religious people who loved the law, who upheld the law. Paul says, now the law came to increase the trespass. Paul, we thought the law is given for us to keep it. He said, Yeah, that's what you thought. Actually, God gave you the law to break it. What? Dennis, that smells like heresy. Well, talk to Paul. God knew what's going to happen. Every single person who would try to fiddle with the law is going to break it. No one would dare to say what Paul said. The law was given to be, not to be kept, but to be broken. In 2 Corinthians, listen again. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm not going to read it. But Paul calls the ministry of the law listen that's his words specific words the ministry of death carved in the letters and stone that kills here's your favorite 10 commandments ministry of death words of Paul words of the Holy Spirit talking about 10 commandments So why, why, why this law was given to be broken, to, to bring death? Actually, death was already within us. It needs to be exposed. It needs to be shown. It needs to be manifested. It needs to be made clear to us. So he said that the law is given, an, oh, in Timothy, I, I don't have time, guys. We, we can easily do it a seminar, and I'm not going to, and I'm going to force myself to stop going to the scriptures right now and get to the end of my message so that you can, you can enjoy your wonderful non-kosher meal today, all right? so but bear with me a little bit so yeah Paul in first Timothy he says Timothy I know there are some people in your church who want to be teachers and preachers they want to teach and preach the law shut them up don't let them why because they want to preach the law what law does well when what we do when we preach Paul describes this the aim of our instruction is a genuine love which is from God to one another that flows out of the pure heart and clean conscience. You know what it is? It's a result of the gospel. And whoever comes and begins to preach the law destroys that. People don't have a pure conscience anymore. They don't have, they don't have pure heart. The unpure heart cannot hold and exercise any faith. There's no reality of God. And there's no reality of God's love among people. That's what the law does. I recommended it before. And I can recommend it again. there's a movie called "The Chocolate." Uh, you guys watched it after I told you. It's a great movie. Show the spirit of religion, what the religion does. And the law is the mindset of any religion, it's the backbone of any religion. So <clears throat> Paul's revelation of the gospel is what propelled him to give a radically new interpretation of the law, and that should be our interpretation of the law. He saw clearly what happens when Gentiles receive the good news. Paul was called to be an apostle to Gentiles. Here's the thing that he saw over and over again. He comes to these pagans. He comes to these idol worshipers. And he begins to draw a picture of Jesus, the only son of God. How he died for them. How much God loved them. And he rose again from the dead and the living spirit, the life-giving spirit is available to them to become the sons, the children of God, and those Gentiles would go, Ah, give it to me. And they would get full, their life would get transformed, they would drop their idols, they, they would filled with life, hope, courage, new life. And then he saw what happens when the guys from Jerusalem would come and bring a big book, the Bible, and pull this Bible and start giving them instructions that was based on the law mentality. And before you know it, all this joy is gone. All this excitement is gone. All this reality of God's presence is gone. And they just become a parody of a synagogue with a Christian sign on the top of it. And that's that's a problem of many churches today. I, I, I have a hard time visiting churches, honestly. I love our church here. I love the freedom of the spirit we have. You know why? Because the gospel is preached here. The freedom. We don't preach the law. We preach Jesus Christ crucified and who was resurrected. And now you're one with him. And you can expect this reality to manifest on the daily basis in your life. That's why we celebrate together. I hate this. Sorry and sermons, oh. Dennis, you're prideful. None of your business. God deals with me individually, all right? Okay, okay, guys, I'm, I'm wrapping it up. I'll try to wrap it up. <clears throat> but I, if, if some of you want to study this topic thoroughly, I recommend one author. His name is Andrew Farley, and he wrote a bunch of books, very good books. There's a specific book that he deals with step by step with every single thing it's called the grace message but all of his books are pretty good all of his books on on the distinguishing law and the grace very good so gosh i made this sermon so long so i'm gonna rush right now buckle in i'm gonna rush i'm gonna speed up don't give me a ticket okay so why would paul not budge and why we are so easily budged because Paul had this plumb line revelation. Martin Luther had this plumb line revelation. And I I believe I had a little bit of this plumb line revelation. I believe Neil got some of this plumb line revelation. Now begin I believe Lyndon got some of this plumb line You know what plumb line is? You know it's something that you measure how straight that it's a standard for you to see whether it's crooked, whether it's off, where it's wrong or whether it's right. Paul had this plumb line revelation and i want to give it to you and that's what it was the foundational difference and contrast between the law and the grace he saw it so clearly so any attempt anything that would uh, remotely smell like mixing them would get him into a fighting mode fighting irish And he expressed this plain line truth in many of his letters. But I'm just read one, one verse. And ironically, a lot of you guys know this verse by heart, but you don't stop and think what it means. Let's, let's read it. Let's stop. Let's think what it means. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I knew it by heart for years. I only began to understand it a few years ago. That's a timeline revelation of Paul that he measured everything. It's a fundamental difference and a contrast. Wages and free gift. Wages and f- those are whole totally different mindset one reflects the mindset of the law or any religion in the world including christian religions and the second one reflects the gospel you see wages is a payment for something it's something earned it's based on one's work activity effort it's transactional in nature and it's a contract of buying and selling of trading things that's how the whole world operates in every area of life. That's how religion operates. That's not how God operates in the gospel. The gospel is a free gift of God's grace. I don't know how else to impress you. I'm trying different things. It's a free gift of God's grace. And I, when I was thinking about it, we as adults, we don't, we rarely know true free gift, no strings attached. Rarely do we know it. Because when we grow, we learn the unspoken rules. For example, I have some friends, and they give me gifts for a birthday. So every time it's, their birthday comes around and I'm invited, I have to think and try to remember how much they gave me last time. What did they give me? You know why, right? Because I gotta be somewhat on the equal. Yeah. Only kids are probably the ones that still enjoy free gifts. I mean, the other day I picked up Vika from daycare, and someone, one of the kids, brought Nintendo Switch. You know what Nintendo Switch is? Some kind of a video game thing, and Vika said, "Oh, brace God, this, Dad! Can we buy a Nintendo Switch?" I said, "Ouch, that's kind of expensive. I don't know. I, I'm not sure if we can afford it right now. I don't know." And she was puzzled for a few seconds, and then she said, "Oh, I know what to do." I said, "What?" I, I, I got a solution. So what is it? Just need to. We just need to wait till Christmas, and I'll write the letter to Santa. Here it comes, free. Oh, I said, right, right, that's a good plan, (laughs) because I know the price that Santa will have to pay for it, but anyway, it's free for her, so in in a sense, guys, we are like children, but we're adults, we know that the price, it's not free, nothing is free in this world, but salvation is free, because the price has been paid, and you don't get to contribute to this payment, Please. It's a free gift of God's grace. Hey! Oh, man. Ah! I don't know what. I want to do something. I want to shake you up with this. Okay. I'll skip most of my message. But I want to come to the... So Paul saw that the result is the same. Life is gone. Reality of God is gone. As soon as people begin to flirt with the law. That's why he stood so strongly. And what if you allow this mentality of religious mindset the backbone the, this this law mindset to to get and by the way I'll, I'll say it one more time i'm not talking about specific commandments from the bible i'm talking about anything that you turn into a law anything that you turn into something that god is supposed to pay you wages for anything prayer bible nine commandments 316 commandments one commandment tithe any, any of that any of that any of that okay so uh, in chapter 7 beginning from verse 95 it's an extensive passage i'm going to read it to you but paul describes a person what happens within him what what happens to that person when he allows the mindset of law to creep into his life and he tries to abide and he tries to be under the law without realizing it sometimes here's what happens romans 7:25 and on what then shall we say that the law is sin? by no means yet if yet if it had not been for the law I would not have known sin we covered that before for i would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet for sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me sin produced in me all kinds of covetousness for apart from the law sin lies dead apart from the law sin lies dead i was once alive remember when i received jesus i was once alive apart from the law but then the commandment came sin came alive and i died that's the experience of many 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 christians i i feel so sorry for young christians who experience true life true joy when they hear the gospel of jesus christ but then they join a church <clears throat> and commandment comes, and sin comes alive, and they die. They die. The, the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did what? Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. But it was sin. Producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be made known as sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. What? When you embrace the law mentality, sin not only arises; it increases, it grows, it begins to dominate, and it becomes increasingly sinful beyond measure. It said. That's what the law does, whether you believe it or not, whether you're Christian or not, whether you have a great conscience and you are not religious at all. If you try to put yourself under any kind of law to earn God's approval, you're going to rip this. You know, several years ago they, they made a study. You know that anything that happens on internet remains there? Do you know that? So, there are all kinds of traces of all kinds of activities that can be collected and that can be analyzed. So, several years ago, they collected a lot of data from the US users of internet and they analyzed it. And different ways the internet traffic was analyzed. And an interesting thing happened. When then, they began to impose that knowledge to the map of the United States. And do you know that the number one concentrated areas of the internet pornography consumption was found where? What's called the Bible Belt of America. That's like. Pshhh. Why? Is it because those horrible Christians in Kentucky are just big hypocrites? No. It's because a lot of. They're not clear about the difference between the law and the grace. And that's what happens. That's exactly what happens. So they, they try to be good good Christians. And they try by putting themselves under the law. And as a result of that every night they go and watch porn and then they feel horrible about it so here's what, what uh, Paul continues now if I do not oh, he, he says for we know that the law is spiritual but I'm of the flesh sold under sin for I do not understand my own actions for I do not do what I want but I do the very thing I hate now if you do If I do what I do not want, I agree with the Lord that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells within me does it. And these words should sound familiar to you because... Just two minutes ago, I read Galatians. He said, the true Christian life is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's what happens, and that's what increases when you're under the grace of God. But if you put yourself under the law, the opposite happens. This happens. It says, now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. It's almost like one of those weird movies when the alien comes and puts Eggs into human being, and you, he's a normal human being, ooh, ooh, and all of a sudden, a certain moment comes, like, and that thing comes out. So, there are two of you now, a nicer version of you, and this. I promise that happens to every single person who puts himself under the law trying to walk and be good for God, who's not receiving god God's uh, free grace as a gift. So I find the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive again to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am horrible condition i'm miserable guys if i'm 100 percent honest yes i go to the bible and i put on my best clothes for the church and i can quote but i inside i feel horrible i feel like a hypocrite because i'm not a good christian i try hard it doesn't work it doesn't work because you don't see the gospel as a free gift of god's grace all right okay guys i i'm finishing please trust me I'm fine somebody said fine okay that's their 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 fault now (laughs) and then he says who will deliver me from this body of death thanks be to God through Jesus Christ he lets this spoiler slips out of his mouth and spoilers of the movie the movie comes in chapter 8 and it's a great show action fact but he's finishing this thought again he says well so when I'm under the law, I myself serve the law of God with my mind. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. That's a situation of anybody who would ever live under the law. So guys, I, I was thinking of what is a good illustration of the law. And I, the Lord gave me this. A number of years ago, people discovered that asbestos, has great qualities to it. It can stop fire from spreading, and it can save us from dying. Hallelujah. And they started putting asbestos in every single thing they could possibly think of. But later, they came to know that it kills you. And now, until today, we have a lot of problems related to that. People try to remodel their house. They tear off the Carpet, boom, asbestos. And they can't even fix it. Now they have to call the special crew in it. That's what the law does. Just remember that. Anything that smells like the law, any sermon that you hear that puts this mentality on you, just remember. It's good. It's glorious. But it's asbestos. It's going to kill you. And Paul In the beginning of that chapter he gives an illustration and i love this illustration i'm not going to read it to you i'm going to i'm finishing with this illustration i'm going to retell it in my own words in the very beginning of chapter 7 those of you who read it this morning you know it he the illustration paul uses is a real bad marriage a woman made a horrible horrible mistake and she married a man who turned out to be who turned her life into a nightmare super abusive Highly demanding, no support, no encouragement, very, very judgmental. And she's suffering, but Paul is using this example in the times when most of the cultures would not give the same rights to women as they do now. Praise the Lord that they do now give rights to women. But back then a woman could not get out of the marriage unless a husband would give her divorce. She didn't have a say. She couldn't initiate. And that particular husband would not give a divorce. Would not even consider. Listen, you are that woman Paul said. The only way to get out of that horrible marriage for that woman was death. Either of a husband or of a of a woman and he said that actually would happen through the cross of Christ you died and that's how you got out of this horrible marriage but it's kind of a story with a sad ending but Paul said there is a twist coming death is not the end of the story you died with the death of Christ that's how you're set free from this horrible horrible marriage legally now you're free but then the resurrection came And you're alive again. And now you're free to marry the true love of your life that you were meant to be with. Who loves you dearly. And there's no claim that your ex-husband can place in you because you're legally dead to him. You You don't carry his last name anymore. Your last name is Christ now. Don't you ever flirt with this ex husband of yours don't you ever come close i declare to you that based on what paul said it's absolutely illegal for you to flirt with the law it's absolutely illegal for you to be legalistic in any sense about anything it's absolutely illegal you're called out of this horrible marriage that needed to be dissolved and it was through the death of christ and through the death of christ you died to it forever so that you would belong to the one who died for you and raised again. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.